Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's been a big week or so for American men playing abroad, both on the field and off of it. Sam Stayskull is here to explain why Christian Pulisic might go out on loan from one English giant to another, while Rangers reporter Jordan Campbell gives some insight into how Malik Tillman and James Sands have been performing on their own loans at the Scottish club. From The Athletic, I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Thursday, August 18th. Usually we try to keep it to one story at a time on this show, but some big news broke overnight. The Athletics' Andy Mitten is reporting that Manchester United is interested in taking Christian Pulisic on loan from Chelsea, and furthermore, that the interest is mutual. Now, we don't know yet how likely this is. It's certainly not a done deal, but the prospect is interesting enough that before we talk to Jordan Campbell about the U.S. contingent at Rangers, I wanted to check in briefly with my colleague and U.S. national team reporter Sam Stasekel about this whole Pulisic situation. Sam, what is going on here? What do we know about why Man United is interested in Pulisic? Does Elon Musk have anything to do with this? What's, what's, what's happening? <laughs> um, I hope not. <laughs> That's <in> the last <laughs> <So> question. <do> I. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you said, the interest is there. It is mutual. Why would Man United be interested? Well, they've had some problems in the first two games of the season. I heard think of, it's fair to say. Heard about a couple uh, of those. They yeah. could use they could use some attacking help. Uh, Pulisic fits a need there. I think it's fair to say as a winger offer something maybe a little bit more vertical, more direct than what they have on the roster with Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho playing as wingers. Um, I think it would be interesting to see Pulisic on the left side of Ten Hag's 4-3-3. Uh, so I think that's why they're interested. Um, also, doing it as a loan, I think, is attractive for both parties because mm-hmm. if Chelsea are going to sell him, they're going to want a ton of money. Man United needs some help fast. They might want not want to commit a ton of money to anyone right now, just given how many changes could be in the offing for them. Um, so this is kind of a, you know, I don't how do I even say it? It's it's less locked in yeah. for all parties, which which offers some good flexibility in case things don't work out. And then there are reasons why Pulisic could be interested as well. Well, I think the externalities here are kind of interesting because it seems to me like he'd be going from one pressure situation with Chelsea, which is, you know, a certain Mm -hmm. kind of uh, pressure and a certain kind of situation to another one with Man United, which is arguably, uh, I don't know, a worse situation in in many ways, just in terms of the team construction, the sort of form that they're in. Um, He's been linked also with a loan to a few other teams, but one of them being Newcastle United. Mm -hmm. Uh, where the stakes are slightly lower than either of these two sort of big six clubs that we're talking about. Do you think somewhere like Newcastle United or maybe a slightly, uh, let's say, less in the spotlight club could be a better fit for him as he's looking to just get consistent playing time before the World Cup? Uh, If you want to talk about being guaranteed to start every match, Mm -hmm. then sure, I guess Newcastle could be a better fit. Um, 
But if you want to talk about actually developing, and I think if you're Christian Pulisic, you want to be in a high-pressure environment. Yeah. This is a guy who won the Champions League with Chelsea not that long ago. He played a key role in their run to that title. He doesn't necessarily want to go to a team like Newcastle that isn't at that level yet. Now, Manchester United, not in the Champions League this year, <laughs> um, and certainly not um, looking like they're at that level over the first two games of the season, but you know they have some brand equity, I would say. They have some cachet in that name that makes it attractive, and they have some super huge players as well. So I, I, I don't think Pulisic would re- necessarily love the idea of dropping down to Newcastle just yet. And for him, if you go to a club like Manchester United, right, which again, huge profile, you're playing in the Europa League, not the Champions League, but the Europa League, and you can come into a situation that you could make an argument probably won't get worse than it is right now. And Never you say can come it can't in, get worse, Sam, but yeah, okay. that's true. <laughs> but you can you can if if you wanna if you wanna put this positive spin on it, why sure. might he want this? You can come in and say, Well, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna help be a part of a revival at Manchester United. And I'm coming in at a time when they're going to want new players in the team. Yeah. And maybe this suits me. And and I think I think the system suits him better than Chelsea's as well, who don't really play with wingers. He's he's played wing back there. They play two narrow attackers. And Thomas Tuchel doesn't really like him that much. We've seen <laughs> that time and time again. Like the guy doesn't really start him. And so, yeah, if you're going away, there are no guarantees at Manchester United, but I think you are going to have a better opportunity at more run than he's going to get under current management at Chelsea. Well, I'm sure this potential move is something you and Paul Tenorio will be talking about plenty on your show, Allocation Disorder, this week. It's on this feed, so listeners, please do look out for that. And if you want to know more about this developing news, check out the links in this episode's description. Sam, thanks so much for dropping in today. Thank you, Alex. And if I may, I just want to say, either way, if he stays at Chelsea, if he goes to Manchester United... U.S. national team, I don't think there's much of an impact there. Yeah, I, I, I think that's clear. Cool. I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> there's been a lot of news on Americans abroad lately, especially with the World Cup coming up and spots in the squad on the line. And two of the more intriguing names are on the same team in Scotland. I am, of course, referring to James Sands and Malik Tillman, both currently on loan with Rangers, both with purchase options, interestingly. We'll talk about that in a little bit. With Athletic Rangers reporter and my colleague Jordan Campbell. Jordan, you did a piece recently on Malik Tillman's position with Rangers. And I think for many in the U.S., this is something we've been trying to figure out as well. He's played on the right. He's played on the left. He's played as a number 10 with Rangers. Where has he been best? And uh, what sort of competition does he face uh, in the team? Yeah, well, it's a question that could um, also be applied to, to James Sands, but the both of them is sort of a puzzle as to where you can get the best out of them. But yeah. um, Tillman especially looks really comfortable anywhere, to be honest. So I wouldn't want to say that he's struggled on the right or on the left. But as you say, he has played in every position for Rangers across the, the forward line. Um, but to me, especially domestically in Scotland, where Rangers have 70 to 80% of the, the ball, I think he's at his most effective, definitely as a number 10. Um, I think you saw that um, you saw that in the last couple of games where he was given the freedom to to roam and, and try and find space. And, you know, he's, he's really a really intelligent player in terms of being able to find those pockets of space because Rangers have lacked someone with that ingenuity and also the, the power and the goal threat that he, that he provides. So he's had a great start to, to his Rangers career, but... I think 
in the future. I think that's where I see him growing into um, as a player because he was good um, for Rangers in, in the first leg of the, the third round Champions League qualifier um, in Belgium where he, he sort of played a hybrid role from, from the left and would drift inside. But he, he wasn't seeing as much of the ball. And I think he's a player that has to really be involved a lot to, to get the best out of him. And Because I think when, when he goes long spells without it, he may, he's maybe guilty because he's a young player, obviously, at 20. He's maybe guilty of trying too much. Yeah, I think that's probably what you saw last night against PSV, is that he was trying to be the difference maker all the time, which is great that he's got that mentality and never hides and never shrinks in front of such a, a demanding and, at times, intimidating crowd um, at Ibrox. But, he, um, you know, he, he still showed a couple of flashes in the second half after a disappointing first half that um that you know he, he he's got a really um a really high ceiling as a as a number 10 it's interesting that you mentioned sort of the difference between playing domestically in Scotland and playing in european games uh with rangers you know facing just different challenges you i feel i feel like they're constantly going up against a very very low block um that being said tillman scored two goals last week including uh, a big one in the champions league qualifiers um, did he struggle with anything in particular against PSV aside from just trying a bunch of things that didn't come off or were there, were there positional things that he struggled with was, or was the competition just like a little bit too, uh, too much, uh, you know, what, what other criticisms would you, would, do you think that he has to improve upon? I think it was probably just one of those natural adjustments. You know, that's probably the highest level game he's played in his career. So yeah. the pace of the game was really quick, you know, a lot of that Rangers team have been used to these fast starts at Ibrox and trying to play at a really high intensity and, and blow blow teams away. But for obviously Tillman and a couple of the other players, you know, playing at that breakneck speed with the the fans, you know, <laughs> chaotic behind you, you know, it's, I imagine it is difficult to probably keep your your composure when you you're, that's a new environment for you. Um, I think only, the only thing he was really guilty of was maybe holding on to the ball a bit too much. He was trying to maybe you know, almost induce the contact and uh, and look for fouls at times. And, you know, um, Ibrahim Sangari, who's a real standout for PSV in the middle of the park, a few times he robbed them of the ball and, um, you know, the crowd were maybe getting a bit frustrated that he wasn't playing quickly enough. But um, in the first half, he had a great moment where um, he combined with, with, with Cholak on, on, on the turn, found a bit of space, um, played first time, got the ball back, managed to go past a couple of players. And again, he tried, I could see what he was trying to do. He tried to roll up with the, the sole of his foot, but just overcomplicated it slightly and never got the shot away. Right. Um, but in the second half, he was he was quite quiet again. But on, uh, then there was two two instances and within the space of two minutes where, again, he got the ball on the half turn, which is, he is bro- absolutely brilliant at that, you know, um, receiving his back to go. And within two touches, he spun, spun his man because he's such a, a great mixer like, power at six foot two, you know, and um, a big, strong um, boy with, with good good acceleration. Um, he's not the quickest, but I think when you get him in those positions and he can he can get turned, he's got a lovely feint um, to him. So he had a couple of good minutes, but I think you saw he was really tiring. And that's something that I've seen in a couple of games now that he does look like, you know, playing at that level is he'll probably have to take a while to for his body to adjust to it and to get used to it because it, you can see him slightly declining physically as the game goes on but again that's to be expected so um, no it doesn't take away for the start he's made it's maybe just good preparation for the second leg next week um, 
it'll be interesting to see whether he starts and whereabouts he starts. Well, this uh, leads me very nicely to my next question. Can we expect Malik Tillman to be a major part of this Rangers team going forward? Who is he fighting for minutes with uh, along that front line? I, I think he's already proven. I think you just need to look at his minutes um, so far that Van Bronckhorst is a massive fan. Um, and I think he will play foot, play a lot of the football this year. Um, there will be rotation. That's just natural because Rangers play you know, nearly 70 games a season if, if they go deep in all four competitions. So yeah. there's a lot of minutes to be shared and um, Van Bronckhorst is quite famous now for, you know, tinkering with the side, whether it's small details or whether it's, you know, playing with two wingers, playing with one winger, playing with two number 10s. You know, he's very mix and match. So um, I think Tillman will probably see his minutes spread across the across those three positions because you've got Ryan Kent on the left-hand side to, you know, as Rangers setting highest ever transfer. Um, you know, he's, that's been his position for four years now. So he is a starting on the left wing. Um, and then on the right wing, though, is, is the sort of problem area because they've got, um, you know, Tillman can play there, um, but I don't think it's as natural because he sort of has to come inside a lot. Um, and then he's not left-footed either. But there's right. Scott Wright, who's a winger. There's Rabi Matondo, who they signed from, um, uh, who they signed to was at, at Man City as a youth player. He's a really pacey winger. There's Tom Lawrence, who probably is quite similar to, to Tillman in that he likes to play as a number 10 or he likes to play off the left-hand side. So those two are the ones that I think Van Bronckhorst will need to decide who is most adaptable to playing on the right. It's been Lawrence so far that he's asked he asked Lawrence to play off the right against PSV. Um, and that worked at times, but um, I think you're trying to sort of fit a um, square peg in the round hole. Whoever you really go with on the right-hand side, unless you go with one of the wingers, but he doesn't seem quite convinced that any of them are a, a regular starter yet. So um, I see him playing most of his minutes as a number 10, but I think that there will be times where he does have to play somewhere else. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Moving on to James Sands, Jordan. Uh, I have kind of a similar, you know, bunch of questions, but what the main one concerns his loan because his loan from NYCFC expires at the end of this season. Rangers do have an option to buy at the end of it. And according to a few reports, including from Tom Bogert here in the U.S., that option is right around $6 million, which is, I believe, somewhere on the order of four and a half million pounds. Uh, what has James Sands shown so far in his time at Rangers? Where has he been playing? Because there's some confusion here, as you mentioned, about whether or not he's best as a defensive midfielder or a center back. Uh, and what is he going to have to show this season in, in order for Rangers to say, all right, we'll make this uh, make this transfer permanent? Well, uh, you know, it's, it's a question that I only really probably have clarity in my own mind in the last few weeks, because before that, you know, the first six months of the season, I think 
it was always going to be a bed and in process, you know, coming to European football and completely different sort of culture. And yeah. Rangers were in the middle of a, an amazing European run as well. So it was difficult for him to come into a team which had been together for so, so long, um, you know, four years under Gerard and then Van Bronckhorst. It was difficult for him to come in and break up the partnership of of Golton and the vice captain and Calvin Bassey, who obviously just went to to Ajax for 25 million. So um, that was difficult to get in at centre-back and then it was difficult to get in at midfield as well because John Lundstrom, Ryan Jack, Steve Davis, Glenn Kamara, Arfield, <laughs> you know, so many options there. Yeah. It's a, a big squad full of international players. So it was never going to be easy as him just walking in. But I think his versatility was always an interesting part of the signing because Van Bronckhorst switches between back three and back and a back two um, a lot of the time. But I think Sands actually struggled maybe last year when he came on as a when he played centre back. You thought I'm not sure he's got the physicality or the uh, aggressive aggressive nature or aerial ability to really be a centre back, especially in a, a European league like Scotland where it is quite physical and the, the opponents will look to target you. Yeah. Um, but I think you can see the progress he made against PSV because PSV repeatedly tried to isolate Luke De Jong, who Roro was a big target man player. They tried to isolate him, and I thought he was probably not far off my man of the match yesterday. Um, really? If you were to ask me, so I thought he was. I thought he was superb. Um, but uh, it's a weird one because a lot of the fans, I think, maybe have got a preconceived idea of he's not like a six foot four strapping defender who will be really, you know, be sliding into tackles and be really aggressive. But I just appreciate his ability to read the game. Um, I think that was always his best quality. And that was speaking to the New York City um, sporting director at the time he signed. He said that's his biggest quality is that he's such a smart player and he can, he, in game, you can literally change the whole team just by using him in a different place. So I think he's a really, he's becoming a, a big asset actually because Rangers are actually quite bare at centre-back at the moment. So um, he's having to play on that left-hand side. But I think if you look at his his passing the last um, the last two games, there were a few shaky moments against um, St. Gilwa uh, at Ibrox, which I thought was just a nerves yeah. thing. Because I think you could actually see that he knew it wasn't the right pass. But it was just maybe that environment that just, you know, it makes human nature. It makes you try a pass or do something that, you know, if you keep your composure, you wouldn't do. I thought last night, the first half, Rud van Nistelrooy spoke about how they really struggled with Rangers playing out from the back. And he was one of the key people behind that. Just the pace, that, you know, the pace that he plays the ball across the back line and plays in first time whenever he can. Um, plays left foot, right foot. Um, I think he keeps the tempo really high. And um, yeah, yesterday I don't think he even had one mistake really on the ball. So um, no, I thought defensively was solid with a few big headers. But again, the problem is that uh, he seems to be... He's an easy scapegoat, I think, because, um, you know, Rangers conceded twice from a corner, which had nothing to do with him, really. Right. But you know, people look at, go, oh, well, oh, you should be your centre-back, should be winning that, no matter what, you know, or oh, a bigger centre-back would win that. But to me, he didn't. he's not been dominated physically in any of the last few games that he's played. So um, I can see him learning all the time um, and I can see him developing. But to me, he, I think he's proven to me he's definitely a centre-back. Um and it's a similar sort of sort of just going to add actually. Yeah. For 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 people maybe wondering what Van Bronckhorst could do for him personally, I think you just need to look at Calvin Bassey. Calvin Bassey didn't look good enough to play left back or centre back for Rangers. He was in between both positions, 
And if you sort of extrapolate that and apply it to Sands as a holder midfielder or centre back, I think you would um, you would hope that what Van Bronckhorst did in six months, he could replicate that with James Sands, who's obviously got a different skill set. You know, he's not he's not the quickest, but he's got you know his 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 powers in his brain and how he reads the game. So um, no, I'm quite excited to see how he how he develops a centre back because to me, I don't think he is a hold a midfielder for a possession dominant team like Rangers. I don't think he's he's a good passer for the back, but I don't think he's a great midfield passer who can really break lines and dictate a game. So I think I think I see him as a, a centre back either in a two or a three, um, which is probably the big difference because people thought he could only play in a three. So yeah. Um I'd say that's probably the update. Well, it's always exciting to see young players sort of figure out their positions, solidify roles with teams, even more exciting when those players are American and even more exciting when they're both on the same team. And for that reason, Jordan, I'm sure we'll have you back on this podcast as the season goes on. But for now, thank you so much for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me. Before we go, a very quick TV guide for today. In the afternoon, we have Europa Conference League playoffs This is actually kind of high stakes. The losers of these playoffs are out of all European competition for the season. This is the first leg of these playoffs. And the three that are on US TV at 2.45 p.m. West Ham United taking on Viborg. That'll be on Paramount+. Plus. Also at 2.45 p.m. Villarreal taking on Hajduk Split. That will be on Paramount+. Plus. Also on Paramount+. Plus At 3 p.m. Fiorentina taking on Twente. In Liga Amekis at 8.05 p.m., Santos Laguna hosts Leon. That'll be on Fox Sports 1. And kind of an interesting random one here for you. At 11.30 a.m., Pomerje versus Shelburne. That is in the UEFA Women's Champions League. It's available for free on YouTube via DAZN. And there are really a ton of UEFA Women's Champions League games on today. But I'm drawing your attention to this one because Heather O'Reilly came out of retirement to join Shelburne. And now she's been playing in the Champions League against a Slovenian club. A little random, but should be fun. O'Reilly had a fun tweet about this yesterday, saying, basically, I'm heading to play in the Champions League at age 37, and Ronaldo isn't. Woof! That's a good one. This show is produced by Mike Zerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic. Thank you so much for listening, and happy soccer to you all.